Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 328. And Brandon, Brandon Gowton of Leading Green Nation, by the way, is Brandon. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. But Brandon, we have a new sponsor that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, you and I, of course, visited Wrong Crowd Brewery uh, yesterday. We're recording this, by the way, at 10 o'clock on Thursday. And we met with Pete, Dan, Dan, Jonah, and Gene, two different Dans. The guy's name isn't Dan Dan. It's Dan and another Dan. Dan is the head brewmaster. They gave us a whole tour of this brewery. And let me start off by saying, like, you and I are very fortunate to have the jobs that we have. Like, I love covering football. I love covering the NFL. We're very blessed to be able to do what we do. If I were to trade the job I have now mm-hmm. for another one, being like a brewmaster looks fun as hell, right? Yeah. Like, so like we visited this brewery, we got the whole in tour, Westchester. How, like, if you didn't mention made. Westchester, Pennsylvania, it's in Westchester. You can order their their beers online. I'll just say this at the top: wrongcrowdbeer.com. But we, I, it's not a job I could do. Like Dan is a chemistry. He has a chemistry degree. He knows what so, he's like, doing. He's basically he's basically the Heisenberg of beer, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but we got to try a few beers. So go check them out in person at Westchester. Again, you can order online, wrongcrowdbeer.com. That's PA only. So if you're in another state, you can't order online. That's on the horizon. Um, but I thought I would. Wow. It's 1014 Ooh. on July 20th, hey. Thursday. And Jimmy is. Don't judge. Well, ha- Don't judge. I'm not judging. I'm saying this is how good it is. <laughs> this is, see, it might be the wrong crowd, but it's the right time for. This beer from <laughs> a fantastic right. place. I hope they like that tagline. They, they might not. That's not their tag. Yeah. They, we, Brandon I came, came up, up with that. that they did not co-sign that. They might hate it, um, but I thought it was good. It kind of reminded me of the Delamitri song, um, The Right Time, The Wrong Situation, The Right Time to Roll to Me, or whatever it is. Um, but seriously, yeah, we had a great time visiting uh, the brewery in Westchester, which is, you know, fun little town if you're not familiar. Uh, if you're visiting Philly, sure. it's, I think it's, yeah, it's like an hour or so um, northwestish of the city. It's worth the drive. It's a cute little town. Um, a lot of cool shops and whatnot. A lot of places to, to go, including Wrong Crowd. Um, they let us sample a number of the beers, um, including some of their bigger ones, such as the Pilsner. Thought they're refreshing and nice. And if you are 21 years of age or older, then you should definitely <laughs> go uh, have some. If you're younger than that, maybe, I don't know, do like a little family trip and stick to the food that they serve there. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. 
It's a restaurant show. Yes. Cool place. Yes. Like they have a lot of big screen TVs. I, I just cracked a ride and birdie. Wow. Which is evidently very popular on the golf courses. Let me just tell you what that's all about. New England style IPA, 5.9% uh, alcohol by volume. Dry hopped with citra and centennial hops. The grapefruit and orange character of the citra is supported by, uh, with a grapefruit zest and piney character of the centennial. Centennial is a little more of a old school hop, so it brings out some of the more familiar flavors of a classic IPA uh, to an otherwise very modern, hazy and juicy one. Uh, light enough, where light enough in alcohol that you can throw a few back, but substantial in body and hop aroma that it doesn't taste like a session beer. So uh, I'm going to be drinking that bad boy uh, during the podcast. I'll let you know when I'm done. Very nice. They have a lot of fun names, including the ones you just mentioned. The quarterback factory is on there. That might sound a little yep. bit familiar. <laughs> um, uh, and, and hurts so good. They're not out right now, but they're going to be out late August, I think he said. I think Pete said. Late so August, that's one so. of the reasons I like them, too, is they, they have fun with it. Um, I think we're a big believer yeah. in fun uh, on this podcast don't have every, always have to take everything so seriously. Uh, sports are supposed to be fun. I think, you know, you can say beer is supposed to be fun too when, you know, obviously handled responsibly. And uh, yeah, we're excited to partner with them. I think it's very um, clear that we believe in our sponsors, such as, you know, Righteous Home Craft Jerky and Kristen Roach mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's not just a matter yeah. of like, hey, here's some money and just say whatever we want you to say. It doesn't really work <laughs> right. like that. Uh, we actually want to support people we believe in and products we believe in. And that's the case here with wrong crowd. Uh, so we're excited. Yeah, we went and visited them for that, for that purpose. We went, to, yes. we went to go check out their operation, meet them, meet the whole crew in person. And uh, yeah, we're really impressed with, with them and think they're going to be fun. To and work. we'll have some opportunities maybe for, you know, in-person pods some shows there at the brewery or elsewhere. So a lot of opportunities coming down the line. We want to, you know, welcome them again with open arms. Go check out, uh, go check out the site at the very least. I always say the site's free. You can always go to the website and check it out and see what they're about That's right. and learn some more information. But Jimmy, we have a huge show to get to today. Are you ready for, after a little bit of layoff, you know, we did uh, BGN Radio last in June. It's July 20th, so it's been a while. Although we did do an NFC's mixtape podcast where you were on there, so that's kind of like, it was almost like another BGN Radio. Um, yeah. It's been quiet. It's been the dead zone. But now, Eagles training camp begins next week. Players report on the 25th, first practice on the 26th. It's an exciting time of year. I figured what better way to preview Eagles training camp than go through a 53-man roster projection. So we basically hit on every player, every position on the roster. Well, not every player necessarily, but every position on the roster and figure out what we think this team could look like. Obviously, training camp will influence the way we feel about a lot of these positions. But for now, we have a base idea coming into camp of what to look out for and what we think is set in stone and what isn't. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let's start with quarterback. Pretty straightforward with the first two. It's going to be Jalen Hurts as your starter, obviously. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how he performs. Just, you know, I mean, you're not going to not notice that. I'm expecting him to have a nice, strong summer. And then Marcus Mariota, a, li- a little bit interested to see more of him, you know, how, like gauging the confidence level of him in the backup. As you recall last year, Gardner Minshew didn't really have a great camp. He kind of like... Right. Kind of had a bad camp in some ways. Uh, it was better in the preseason games themselves, so there was that. So uh, it will be interesting to see if Mariota can look a little bit better uh, than Minshew was last year. But the real battle, which I don't think is actually going to be much of a battle, is between Ian Book and Tanner McKee for the number three. And I'm a Tanner McKee guy. I think he's going to mm-hmm. win. 
Yeah, I mean, this time last year, heading into camp, it was all eyes on Hertz because, you know, we didn't know what he was going to be. And he really had to, it was a tryout. I mean, the 2022 season for him was a tryout. And he obviously, he passed with, <laughs> with flying colors and then some. Uh, so it's not that this year, obviously. He's he's the now the face of the franchise. He's a $50 million, uh, you know, per year quarterback. And, um, you know, the pressure's, I don't want to say it's off him a little bit, but certainly it was on last year. Um, and the pressure is just different this year in that he's got to maintain uh, or get better in terms of the level of play from 2022 to 2023. Uh, he's always going to have the, the running ability to rely on. Uh, can he continue to progress uh, in the accuracy department in, um, you know, the, the, just the mental side of the game, pre-snap reads, getting through his progressions and hitting the right receiver, which he did a great job, of course, uh, last year. But, um, you know, can just, the, the, the aim for him should be to, you know, kind of take that to the next level. Mariota, uh, interesting player, has a lot of the same traits as Hurts. Wildly inaccurate when he tried to push the ball down the field with Atlanta last mm-hmm. year. Got benched for Desmond Ritter. I thought he played better than Desmond Ritter did last year. Um, but he's obviously, in my opinion, a high-level backup. And I'm with you in terms of Tanner McKee versus Ian Book. We never got to see Ian mm-hmm. Book in practice last year because they, they claimed him off waivers, right? Or did, or was he a signing? They claimed him off waivers, right? I think so. Either way, Doesn't got him matter. from the Saints. We cut him <laughs> a year after drafting him. But that happened after training camp. So we never actually got to watch him in practice. So he'll be a fresh look for us in addition to Tanner McKee. I think Tanner McKee passed the Clayton Thorson. Yes. Uh, level of of quarterback in OTAs where we could tell right away in OTAs Clayton Thorson stunk <laughs> and like you know you, uh, in the very very limited action that we got to see of Tanner McKee he looked fine so you know we'll see what he is uh, during training camp but in, there have been times the Eagles have kept three mm-hmm. quarterbacks and other times they've kept two they prefer keeping three but now with the new emergency quarterback mm-hmm. role where you get a freebie roster spot on game day for that third quarterback they are almost certainly yeah. uh, going to keep three quarterbacks. So for me, I have it hurts Mariota McKee. Okay, let's move on to running back, where I think the four who they're going to keep, and I think they keep four, is mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Uh, barring any injuries, which, you know, that could obviously impact it, but I think it's going to be Rashad Penny, and you can argue mm-hmm. or debate if it's going to be Penny or Swift at the top. I'm a Penny guy. I think, you know, obviously that if he's healthy is a big, gigantic, could not be bigger if, but if he's healthy, I think he has that top end talent that is above what DeAndre Swift offers you. And I think, um, so, you know, both of them are going to play, but I have Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell is obviously making this team, especially after really coming on in the playoffs last year, could potentially mm-hmm. be the team's top tar- targeted back, depending on how things yep. shake out with him and Swift and then Boston Scott I think is someone like the coaching staff really likes and the organization as a whole kind of has value like they just sent- sentimentality there um I think they like his work ethic I think they like what he brings to that position group in addition to any like returning ability uh and also you have to keep the bit going if you like a bit then you have to keep going <laughs> yes. with that with him against the Giants so I have those as sure. my four what about you I have the same thing um I will say, so the the running back dynamic is going to look different, of course, this year than it last year. Last year was really straightforward, where Miles Sanders was your early down back, Boston Scott was his direct backup in that in that role, and then of course Kenny Gainwell had third down uh, duties as well as two minute offense. 
um, Trey Sermon being inactive uh, almost every week. This year is going to be different because I would I would categorize the the quarter, the running backs and you know into two different I'd put them in two different ca- in buckets. So one early down guys and that's Rashad Penny and it's Boston Scott. Now I think Boston Scott actually does have some receiving chops, but this new coaching regime just hasn't used him that way. So he for me is just an only an early down guy only. And then Trey Sermon is that too, as is Kennedy Brooks. Then you have the other bucket, which is guys who can also be weapons in the passing game. And that's DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gamel. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, all those snaps are divvied up uh, during the regular season. But I do think that the running backs are going to be more involved in the passing game than they've been in the past because DeAndre Swift adds that element. Whereas Miles Sanders, you know, had that one really good year as a receiver in his rookie year and then nothing thereafter. So uh, I think this is a more diverse group. I like this running back group better mm. than the one last year. Like I'll mm. take Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift over Miles Sanders all day, any day. So we'll see how that goes. And then the one thing I will say about Boston Scott is his value is a little diminished now mm-hmm. because he's your primary kick returner. But with the new kick return rules where you can call a fair catch and get the ball to 25, the Eagles are not going to be a team that returns kickoffs. Like if they can call a fair catch, they're going to do it because why wouldn't you just take the ball at the 25 yard line when you have the explosive offense that you have uh, instead of risking like a holding penalty or a block in the back or just a bad return or whatever. So they're going to be a fair catch kickoff team, which minimizes his value to some degree. So maybe Mm. Trey Sermon, like if Trey Sermon has a monster camp, I could see it, but I'm not predicting that. I think, I think the four that that you named uh, are correct. I think there's a scenario where Trey Sermon has a monster camp and maybe they cut Penny who's only guaranteed like 600 K, you know, and that's also yeah. in a scenario where Penny looks like he's hurt throughout camp. Yeah, it's course. kind of some nagging issues. Yeah. He can't really prove that like he's not really showing much. Um, maybe that's an, an unlikely outside scenario, but yeah, I think Trey Sermon's kind of on the bubble here. You kind of like want to fit him on in theory, uh, especially because I mean, Sirianni like praised him unprompted. Maybe it's possible. He could be like a trade candidate. Not that you're getting like tremendous value for him, but let's say, um, maybe you can trade him if he's having a great season, great preseason for like a Zach Pascal esque player at wide receiver, you know, or something, some kind of like low end role player, something. Um, See, I think you can get him on the practice squad I, because well, we'll get to that when the Niners cut him last year. The, the Eagles claimed him, but the Eagles were like nineteenth in the waiver mm-hmm. order, so eighteen teams didn't claim him. And we're talking about bad teams, obviously, like that theoretically would have, you know, room on the roster for if they really thought he was a good player. And then a year has passed and he theoretically wouldn't have done anything that, you know, would raise his value to other teams around the league. So if they did cut him, I, I believe they'd be able to bring him back on the practice squad. We'll get to the practice squad too when we're done with uh, the yeah. roster in terms of, you know, kind of laying out who some of the bubble guys who didn't make it are and, the chances of sticking around in that capacity. I think he's definitely in the mix for that. Yes. I think it's a low floor. I think it's a higher ceiling, lower floor for this running back group, because for as much as um, I think many of us had some frustrations with Miles Sanders, he did prove he was a capable like volume back. And you can't sure. really necessarily say any of these guys are that like Penny right, can't handle right. the volume in terms of like he's built in a way in theory where he could be that guy. But the injury thing is a huge concern. Swift has not really been that guy in his career. He's, in fact, lost playing time. And even though he hasn't missed, like, huge amounts of time due to injury, 
He's had a number of nagging issues, kind of I would put not one for one, but in like the Jason Peters mold where like he's out there, but he's not like necessarily playing the whole game or he's not as he's not playing with 100% effectiveness because he's kind of working through something. I don't think Kenny Gainwell's just like the way his build is. I don't think he's ma- made to be like, you know, handle the kind of volume, let's say that Miles Sanders had last year, at least not more than one season at the very most. And Boston Scott, also not really a volume guy. So I think that's something you can kind of flag there. And there's a scenario where like Penny gets hurt. Swift continues to be kind of just underwhelming. Uh, Gainwell is more of the player he was for most of the season than he was at the end of the season last year. And Boston mm-hmm. Scott is just who he is as a, you know, fine rotational back. And all of a sudden, um, that's not like amazing. It might not matter a ton if you have a great offensive line, but it, it also, I'm saying like, you know, you could, you could potentially miss Miles Sanders. There's a scenario where like, oh, wow, we kind of miss. I'm not saying they should have kept him. I'm just saying you miss like the steadiness that he, I think Miles Sanders gave you a, a higher floor than this group does. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think like as long as Swift and Penny are able to stay healthier than Sanders was, because Sanders had, you know, occasional, um, you know, yes. injury issues Prior too. to last year. Yeah. Not so much last year, but the, the, the years before that. Um, but yeah, he, uh, if, as long as those guys are able to stay healthier than he was, I think they're more talented. Both of yeah. them are. Than, than, than Again, higher Sanders. ceiling. I agree. But lower floor yeah. is how yeah. I'd put it. Wide receiver. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are your one and two. They're awesome. After that, you don't necessarily feel great, but as we were talking about with with the guys at Wrong Crowd, uh, so many teams out there would kill to just have one of those guys. And the fact that, in theory, knock on wood, if the Eagles were to lose one of those guys, AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, having the other one is still very a very nice luxury Mm -hmm. to have. But beyond that, it's Quez Watkins. Who you know the, the Nick Sirianni was gassing up. I still think you know keep the trade on the radar just based on the um, the salary and whatnot. But you know if you're looking at roles, you kind of in theory want a guy who has speed, deep speed, and Quez offers that. Mm-hmm. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus, I think, makes this team. I think he's a nice player, and he finds a role here. And I have Britton Covey, yep. who. I think people kind of underrate as a punt returner last year. He, you know, it's, he didn't start great. And also it is a little tough to watch him just get absolutely blasted every time. Like I feel like (laughs) he's going to fumble at some point or he's just going to like get seriously hurt. It's not really fun to watch, but he got better as the year went on. He was actually one of like the better punt returners, right? In terms of yards per return. I remember you, you did a review. Yeah. So first half of the year. Yeah, I forget exactly where he finished for the year in in, in total. But the first half of the year, it was like it was low. Like he did low yards per return, and he had two muffs. One of the muffs was like a little, you know, it wasn't bad. Like it was just it was near the sideline, and it, like it bounced off him and went out of bounds. Uh, the other one was bad. Like it, it was a legit muff. The ball like rolled, and he was able to co- recover it inside his own five. I think that was against the, the Commanders. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he, in the second half of the year was much better. He had a big game against Tennessee where he had, I think it was like three returns of, uh, I want to say around 20 yards. Um, he had a big return in the Super Bowl. Uh, he had two returns for, I believe 50 something yards in the Super Bowl or 40 something. I don't know exactly, but, uh, he, he had, he had a good game in the Super Bowl when it was, um, it was actually, uh, if you recall leading up to that game, he was questionable to play. And then and they actually and then he up like um, they had called up Greg Ward, I think, from the practice squad for okay. the Super Bowl. So yeah. they, you know they were kind of preparing if he couldn't go. But he went and he was good. 
Um, so yeah, I have those same five and I have them keeping five, but the two players to me to watch for, uh, as you know, p- potential, um, you know, like eye openers in mm-hmm. camp are Devin Allen, who sure. he had the play of the, of the, pre- of the preseason last year. When you saw his speed, he just dusted everyone on the, on the Browns, uh, got wide open for a deep ball down the field for a touchdown. He brings that to the offense potentially. And if you want to use him as a gunner, uh, on special teams, he showed some ability uh, in 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 that area during the preseason as well. So we'll see if he can take his name his game to the next level in his second year in the NFL here. Uh, at the age, what is he like twenty eight at this point, uh, twenty nine something like Devin that. Devin Allen, um, and then the other guy that you that you and I have talked about quite a bit on the podcast here is Joseph Ngata, who's got a big body. Um, out of Clemson was a you know like a a five star recruit coming out of high school just. You know, his college career just didn't go the way that he or Clemson probably would have hoped. But the Eagles gave him a lot of money to sign uh, in, in Philly as an undrafted free agent. And he's a guy that I think can, you know, maybe do some of the, you know, Zach Paschal-like dirty mm-hmm. work um, in the Eagles offense. So he's a guy to, to watch in camp. So they, they, they'd be the, the two guys that I think have the best chance of sort of coming out of nowhere and making I think Tyree Cleveland could be someone to watch in that Zach Pascal okay. kind of role. He kind of like same size and like body type, I think a little, at least more so as Jimmy takes another seer, sip of his wrong crowd, uh, right in birdie, uh, beer here. Um, the Devin Allen thing real quick. I wanted to mention that he, so he had like a calf injury that also kind of held him back. I think from mm-hmm. qualifying for like the next stage, there's going to be, a conflict potentially with him, I think in training camp or preseason and also going to like another one of those track events that he wanted to do. That's actually now not going to happen because of the injury and he didn't qualify. So now in theory he has a better chance at like focusing fully on the Eagles. So that's kind of something to, to watch. Um, Interested to see where he's at. I thought he had like a really kind of quiet camp until he started to come on a little bit later in the preseason games and whatnot. Um, So interested to see where he's at, especially it's not like, this is his first summer transitioning back to football. It's his second. We'll see if that makes any bit of a difference. And maybe if he is looking awesome, okay, Quez becomes a little bit more expendable in a trade or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to consider. And Gata definitely intrigued me in uh, OTAs. Looking forward to seeing more of him. I also like what I saw out of um, Charleston Rambo at college, especially with when he played with Jalen Hurts. So he's on my radar. Mm-hmm. You know, Jaden Hazelwood is also in the mix here. But I do. Th- he played with Hurts yes. too. So, you know, those connections might have some value. But for now, I only have them keeping five. I think there's room for someone else to enter this conversation. Maybe they keep a six. But for now, I have to just go with these five. They don't have good depth on the outside. No. So they, you know, it's, it's Brown and Devontae. And then. Quez Watkins is probably your only backup with the five that we both have on the outside because Zacchaeus is a slot and Covey is, I mean, he hasn't even gotten on the field really in the regular offense outside of like garbage Mm -hmm. time. He's a slot only too. So um, yeah, there is, there is opportunity for one of these guys to make the team as an outside receiver. Move on to tight end where, and here's where I already running into a little bit of a snafu, if you will, because Okay. I think he's keeping five wide receivers in three tight ends, and I don't know if that's enough. I feel like they might go nine at some combo of those two positions. But I have the Eagles keeping Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, who they like a lot and is like they're blocking tight end, clearly. Then I have Dan Arnold. I don't have Grant Calcaterra making the really? team. Yeah, okay. Dan Arnold, 
looked good in OTAs, which isn't everything. But I remember watching Dan Arnold play in the past, including against the Eagles in 2020. And I think he has some receiving chops. And maybe, in theory, uh, not known for being the best blocker, but maybe he really buys into Zach Pasqua role, and he's that kind of guy um, who can do the dirty work. So I like his talent. I'm going to bet on that, and I'm going to have him on the team. Yeah, he he had a really good year going back a few years and it looked like he was on the verge of a potential breakout, and then it just didn't happen for him thereafter. Um, the chalk three here at tight end are Goddard, Stoll, and Grant Calcaterra, mm. who is coming coming into his second year. Was he a sixth-round pick uh, a year ago? Um, missed a lot of camp last year with varying injuries, but I thought when he did play in mm. camp, he made plays in the passing game. Um, just he has a ways to go as a blocker. And I'll say this about his blocking. Uh, I actually did a film review of him during the summer. He's not going to line up and just, you know, move a defensive end off the ball. It's just never going to happen. And he's probably going to not even going to stalemate with those kinds of guys in, in a, you know, in a running situation, he's going to get owned by, you know, any defensive end in, in the league. But uh, what I, did think the Eagles did a good job of with him when they went to some three tight end sets was they got him on the board in two tight end sets after Goddard got hurt. He got some playing time when Goddard was, it was down with uh, that shoulder injury when he missed like five or six games. Um, what they did with Cal Katero is they got him on the move. So they, they get him on the move into the second level blocking linebackers and uh, defensive backs. And he was really good at that because he's athletic and he can, you know, latch onto those guys. Whereas, you know, maybe a less athletic tight end, who does have power and can move, you know, guys off the line of scrimmage maybe a little bit, um, can't do that. So uh, they used him to his strengths in the blocking game, and he's a good receiver. So I think they would love to see him stay healthy throughout training camp and really show what he can do. But I'm with you that Dan Arnold definitely does present some level of competition for him. We should also probably mention Tyree Jackson, sure. who – had a breakout camp in 2021. Then he got hurt in joint practices against the Patriots. He does right in front of yep. us. Like he hit the he hit the ground so hard, and we were both just like, "Ooh!" Like we knew that really hurt, and that knocked him out for like like nine or ten weeks or something like that. He didn't come back until like week eight that season, something like that. And then he barely got to play at all. Got to play in the final like meaningless week 18 game against the Cowboys. Tears his ACL. <laughs> And then his 2022 season basically shot. He did get, he did come yeah. back to the team, actually played a little bit in 2022, but was essentially a non-factor. This is probably his last chance to get back to the player that he showed he might be able to be in 2021. But um, I'm betting against it, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll get to camp. And, and if he, if he stands out, maybe that will change our mind, but I'm with you. Um, I only have three tight ends. They have seven. Total. Mm. I actually looked back to last year to see how many they had this time, and it was six. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I, I figured seven was a big number, but maybe not because like, that six is, you know, also kind of a big number. Um, so yeah, a bunch of these. This is a rare position where there, it's more guys are going to get cut mm. potentially than make the team. Uh, but yeah, so I guess we both have three. We just have our, a different third game. Yeah, I do, I do think they could keep four, too, if you know people really stand out. Yep. And again, if they only have sure. five receivers, I don't think that's crazy because sometimes you could have a six receiver, so maybe they just go four tight ends instead, some kind of combination yep. of nine of those players. And again, you're using, I think you're potentially using like an Arnold or a Calcaterra in a 
you know, big slot Pascal kind of role. It's kind of like an extra receiver. So it'll be interesting to kind of monitor the tight end depth. If And by interesting, I mean, if, you know, you're really too deep in the weeds here and care about this stuff too <laughs> right. much. Let's go to the offensive line where the starting lineup. Oh, you know, we didn't mention, we, we didn't mention, by the way, this is also an emergency podcast. Yes. Uh, for the 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 big time Dennis Kelly back. signing back in Philadelphia after being unceremoniously <laughs> traded in 2016 for Doriel Green Beckham. Mm. I remember at the time when they made that deal, it was like, holy crap, they got Doriel Green Beckham, who was a big receiver, like could run, really talented, just didn't have it between the mm. ears. And he stunk. <laughs> For the Eagles in 2016, stunk, could not catch the ball. They get matchups with him. Like it was a Lions game that year. They had him matched up against some shrimpy little like five nine corner, and they throw up a fade ball for him. He's six five, like should just easily win that matchup all day, every day. Little shrimpy corner broke up the pass. Frank Reich was asked like about that play during the uh you know the, the subsequent week about that play, and he was like yeah, that's, that's a play that we want a receiver to make 90, 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, that's that's kind of what he was as a player. Meanwhile, Dennis Kelly goes out. He plays, what, like five years, I think, for the Titans, something like that. Played in a lot of games, started a lot of games for them, played a year in, in Green Bay, played a year in Indianapolis. Um, how he lost that trade. But now, one might argue, he has won that trade because he got a year of Doriel Green back. I mean, he wound up getting Dennis Kelly back anyway. I'm kidding, of course. He lost that trade. Uh, obviously, but uh, it, Dennis Kelly turned out to be a pretty decent, you know, kind of backup role player. Dennis Kelly has more postseason touchdowns than Doriel Green Beckham. He <laughs> caught one with the Titans on like That's a little great. trick play in a AFC championship game. Against yeah. The Chiefs. Early 2020, I think um, like January, 2020. Uh, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, Dennis, let me get to the starting lineup first. Uh, obviously it's Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason yep. Kelsey, right guard. We will see. I think one could, posit that maybe the Dennis Kelly signing is more of a plan to have extra depth at right tackle specifically where Jack Driscoll mm-hmm. typically plays and typically would be slotted in. So maybe this is a signal that Driscoll's going to have more of a chance. Oh, I hadn't considered that angle. I, I that's, that's an interesting. Than we thought. previously thought at right guard, maybe it's a three-way mm-hmm. kind of battle there. Here's, here's a, I want to bring this point up from um, Zach Berman on birds with friends, something I hadn't really thought about. And I think hasn't really been discussed enough when it comes to the Cam Jurgens right guard uh, situation here. Jason Kelsey doesn't practice a lot anymore, especially in his older age here in mm-hmm. training camp. Like, he's not going to be practicing a ton. So where's Cam Jurgens going to be repping? He's going to be repping at center a lot. So right. like it's already kind of a projection to put him at right guard, but then he's not even going to be there like every day in practice. Yeah, I wonder how they'll handle it. I mean, in theory, they could throw Brett Toth in there. Yeah, but do you want him? But... You don't want him taking those reps. You want Jurgens to be <laughs> right. ready for that center role should <laughs> right. something happen to Jason Kelsey yeah. and for also his long term yeah, yeah, future. Yeah. It's, so, like, that's another reason why I just have a full, like a hard time fully buying in. Jurgens is the right guard. Well, he's not even going to be lining up there and in practice, and not even just because of a competition thing, but because of a, a logistical. He's going to have to fill in for Jason Kelsey um, with the first team offense a lot, kind of thing. Right. So, like, that's another thing I hadn't even thought about, and a good point by Zach. Um, but we'll say for now, as it stands, entering day one of training camp, Jurgens will probably be the you know the starter there at right guard. And then Lane Johnson at right tackle. Then you have the backups, um, which I have the Eagles keeping uh, 
Hold on. Did I do this wrong? Damn it. I did this wrong. All right. Let me change something very quick. I forgot to keep include. Well, I can just give my yeah. backups and then, well, so I have the backups being uh, Jack Driscoll, of course. Yeah. Um, whoever doesn't win the right guard job between Jurgens and Steen. Uh, I hadn't considered Driscoll as part of that competition until you brought up that point, which, you know, maybe I'll, I mean, got to think about that a little bit more. I had Brett Toth and Sua Opeta mm. as my last two, but one of those guys is getting dropped out because I now will have Dennis Kelly yeah. in there. So my guess is that Sua probably falls off. Dennis Kelly, by the way, like swing tackle, can play left tackle, can play right tackle, played more on the right side over his career than he has on the I left. I have those snap count numbers, play- by the way, if you would if you would like those. For his career, he's played sure. 655 snaps at left tackle and then 2,543 mm-hmm. at right tackle, certainly more uh, at right tackle. But he also has played at left guard, 126 snaps, and right mm-hmm. guard, 428 snaps. Yeah, so he's a he's a swing tackle with some I wouldn't call it guard versatility necessarily, but I'd say he can play there mm-hmm. in a pinch. Chip wanted him there, yes. oddly. Like he's <laughs> he's an odd fit at guard because he's six yeah. eight, so he just looks weird that being that tall playing guard. Uh but he can do it. He's done it. So um and the Eagles love having guys that that back up that can play multiple positions so they don't have to shift their line all around uh in case a guy goes down. So he was never on my radar as a potential Eagles signing this offseason, but now that they've done it, he does make a lot of sense. Uh, so I do have him in there, and I have him keeping nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, and so I was kind of on the fence on Sua Opeta anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have him dropped out now with uh, Dennis. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I have – so my lot of Dickerson, Kelsey, I'm going to say Steen for the time being. Uh, I think he eventually takes it over. Not necessarily week one, but I think he eventually is that guy. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson, and then off the bench, I have Jurgens, Dennis Kelly. Uh, and they definitely, you might not have had Kelly on your radar, but I think we all kind of were thinking, like, they probably could afford to do more at tackle just from a standpoint of you lost Andre Dillard and Jack sure. Driscoll's, like, entering the final year of his deal and doesn't necessarily have a ton of experience specifically at left tackle. Um so it did really make sense that they would add someone there at some point. I feel like, you know, um, what's his name? Got brought up at one point. Uh, DJ Fluker, you know, they worked him out or whatever. Mm-hmm. They ended up going with Dennis Kelly. Um, but yeah, so it was the backups. I have Jurgens, Dennis Kelly, Jack Driscoll. And I I think it's between Toth and Sua Opeta. And I'll go with uh, Toth here. I think he's he's displayed more versatility. They played him at like literally every yeah. position. And they also cut Opeta last year. And I think Opeta really hasn't been like great when he's actually had to play. So uh, I'll take Toth here. It's also this is again one of these spots where I feel like it can just be hard to identify a surprise guy. Like, uh, and he, by the way, this guy's currently on the exempt list for not great reasons. But Josh Shills last year, you know, like yeah. how could no one had him making the fifty three? Because how could you? How could you possibly be like, oh, I really like what I've seen out of Josh Shills? Like, there's no way you were going to be able to like know the coaching staff loved him unless you had literally had like you know, insider intel specifically on him, which is a very weird thing that you would have because, like, how would you ask about that? (laughs) Or how would that just come up? Who would feel so impassioned that they would bring that up? So um, the offensive line could be, like, a tricky one. You know, let's say, like, you know, could Trevor Reed, super athletic? That's the guy that I have my eye on. The Trevor Reed. Yeah, out of Louisville. Very athletic dude. Uh, Again, like, didn't play up to his athleticism. But that is a guy that is, like, Car, it's like it made in a lab for Jeff Stoutland to to groom over time. But he could also like suck. He could just be like terrible. And of so course. it's just like yeah. 
I, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of that right now. But if you're looking for someone, you know, to really screw up your 53-man roster prediction, it could be someone like that. He's an undrafted rookie, and they do keep undrafted offensive linemen. It, I, it's actually a pattern mm-hmm. of every three years. So 2013, <laughs> Matt Tobin. 2016, Dylan Gordon. 2019, wow. Nate Herbig. 2022, Josh Sills. And now, of course, Josh Sills is on the, as you mentioned, the commissioner exempt mm-hmm. list. So maybe because he's not, you know, I assume he's not going to be available at any point. Um, Trevor Reed maybe just breaks mm-hmm. the three-year cycle because this latest third-year guy is no longer, I mean, I guess he's still on the team or whatever, but not and really. Then you're <laughs> so, not even including guys who, like, made on the practice squad and later came up, like Coyote Awashika or, like, yeah. um, yep. Suo Peta. Like Suo yeah. Peta, yeah. Who else in there? Um, I don't know. But let's take another – let's take a break here. Not another because it's the first break, Jimmy. But not before we talk about our other sponsor, who we've our longest-running sponsor, Righteous Felon Craft. We love we love Righteous Felon too. Don't, we love all of our sponsors <laughs> equally. Um, but yes. we also rank them secretly in how much um, money they give. No, I'm kidding. Uh, righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com and get yourself some fantastic – Righteous Felon Craft Jerky today with discount code BGN15 for the time being. Although, there might be something in the works. Um, so, um, stay tuned on that. But RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Go to the website, check out what they have, and do it today. And you will not regret it. I guarantee it. I mean, they, the two, the, these two sponsors actually complement each other perfectly. Yeah. You got the beer and then the, the jerky. 100%. Order them both. It's a great combo. <laughs> you could wash that righteous selling craft jerky down with some wrong crowd beer. It's a great combo. Especially you're watching the game. Season's coming up. You're watching the game. You're even right now. You're, you're buying real estate. You're drinking beer. You're buying, you're buying, you're buying a house. You're, you're eating jerky. You're looking at houses. Well, you could be watching the Party Phillies time. game, which I have some Phillies gear on for those who can't see because it's only audio podcast. Um, yeah, it's they. Someone again who does. I think I said this in the past. That's like your. If you somehow can prove, you know, you've used all three. No, in the past I said all two. You know, between Kristen Roach and right, just yeah. If you somehow do all three. I feel like there has to be some kind of like prize or yeah, we can we can think we some can kind think of like status. Yeah. You're like the official, um, you know, biggest fan of BG and Radio or something. They can like be that. on the podcast for sure for exactly a half hour if sure. They want. sure. Uh, so yeah. Uh, all right, Jimmy, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, we're gonna flip things over to the defense. So do you do you know how many players on offense that you have the Eagles keeping? Because I think I had twenty four. Yeah, so I had. I can add them up real quick. I had nine. O-lineman, three. This is good. So with my 53-man roster, I always do like the (laughs) position number. The players you're keeping in position in parentheses. I have 24. I also have 24. And I do the um, number of total players at each spot then as I'm accumulating when the bracket next to it. So that's how I keep track of it. A little pro tip for you out there if you're looking to do your – own 53-man roster version. And why not? You could do it in the uh, Bleeding Green Nation fan post, too, if you want. But um, defense. All right. Defensive end. I'm going to break this up. As opposed to putting all the edge rushers in one category, I'm going to have a Sam linebacker 
you obviously know who that is and the players who fit that mold. We'll get to that. But for now, straight up 4-3 defensive end, I have the Eagles keeping Brandon Graham. I've been keeping mm-hmm. Josh Sweat. And you know what? Yep. I'll shoot my shot. I'm going to say Denarius Robinson makes the team. I've been, okay. Those are the three. I don't think, that's not crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's insane. They they kept him on the roster all of last year. They clearly like liked him more than Teron Jackson, who I thought had a good camp last year, but then ultimately fell out of favor, was on the practice squad for a bit. They kept Denarius Robinson around. He is a freak athlete. Uh, he's young. I think there's they think there's some potential there to develop. I am going to keep him on the team. Yeah, they kept him on the roster the entire season. Yeah, that's what I just said. So, yeah, I mean, that means something. I was just repeating okay. it. Now, but, I mean, I mean, that does mean something. I don't have him on. So, I have... It's on the bubble. I have Derek, Bar- I have Derek Barnett mm. on, uh, and I hate myself for that. But <laughs> I actually think, Derek, if we're looking at... Howie Rosen's made 17 trades mm-hmm. in from the start of training camp to the first game of the year in week one. During that time frame, 17 trades since he came back into power as the GM in 2016. So he makes a lot of training camp trades. Um, the, I don't think there's a high likelihood of guys being shipped out. I think it's probably more likely that he's trading like a pick. They have 10 picks in, in 2024 for, if we're counting projected comp mm-hmm. picks. So I think it's more likely they trade a pick for a player like a linebacker or something like that. But if there were to be an outgoing player, Derek Barnett is number one on my list. And that's not crazy because they've already kicked the can down the road on his contract. So his base salary is barely over a million dollars, which means that any team trading for him would basically have him on their team at a million dollar salary, roughly. Um, So if a team is just sort of hurting for just a defensive end that's playable, you can get a six round pick out of somebody for, for Derek Barnett, maybe. Mm. So I could see that. And then the other guy is Quez Watkins, who we mentioned mm-hmm. already. If you have like a receiver who's just playing really well and you trust that they can be a backup outside receiver, I am not saying I feel like that's likely in any way at all, but that's a possibility. So those would be my two guys if they were to be traded. But I have Barnett on Barnett, by the way, like missed OTAs. Yeah. He tore his ACL week one. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you like he could be back by now. Um, we'll see if he's available. He he might be a pupless candidate mm-hmm. too if he's just not ready yet. Uh, in which case, they could just hang on to him if they wanted to. Through, I guess, if he's healthy, they can't just keep him on the pup list indefinitely. But um, to start camp, he can wind up being on the on on the pup list. But um, we have to see that he's healthy too. So you know, a lot of uh, uncertainty with with Derek Barnett. But they do like his demeanor. Like they like, <laughs> they talk about it all the time. But his demeanor is also like what makes him a bad player. Yeah. He's jumping off sides all the time. And he does stupid stuff like, you know, personal fouls because, you know, he's, he like wants to be a tough player and he kind of plays that way, but it works against him. So I don't know. He's a, he's a player that is clearly falling, falling way out of favor in Philadelphia. Uh, I think he could use a fresh start somewhere. But I do have him on my my initial fifty three. <sighs> Tough. <clears throat> All right, Sam linebacker slash edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. We know what it is. Yeah. When you see it, Hassan Reddick, Nolan Smith, and then I have Patrick Johnson. I only have three there, so it's kind of like six total between you know defensive end and edge rusher here. But I think those are your three. Um, really interested to see 
what Nolan Smith's role is from the outset. And that's all I've got. Yeah, I think they're going to get him in. I mean, he's, I think he's, he's the player, by the way, I am most looking forward to watching in camp. Wow. With Jalen Carter being a close number two. Uh, but it's those two guys. It's the two Georgia That's guys. That's tough too, and, though, and because Davis like and, and the Kobe D. Like actually, all four yeah. of the Georgia guys are like I'm really interested sure. in watching. Um, but he like in the same way that we were sort of mesmerized by <laughs> Jordan Matthews in his first training camp, just the way that he had extreme hustle and energy and stamina. I think Nolan Smith has a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, characteristics as well, um, but also. Nolan Smith is, you know, maybe the most athletic draft prospect this past year and can do a lot of different mm-hmm. things and maybe didn't get drafted because of a, you know, his production wasn't eye popping at Georgia and his on paper measurables in terms of height and weight aren't impressive, but to look at him in person, I would never look at that guy and go, that guy's small. So I don't think like the height and weight on paper measurables really match with what he looks like in person. And I think he's got a chance to be a special player. I think they're going to get him on the field. I mean, he can't play that much because they're just so stacked on, on the edges, whether you want to call that the same linebacker position or defensive end, they just have so many players. It's going to be hard to get his snap count up really Mm -hmm. high, but they're going to play him. Like he's a first round pick. He's going to play. Um, and I'm with you in terms of Patrick Johnson. I think he's very clearly ahead of Kyron Johnson, who got snaps at linebacker, off-ball linebacker, off-ball linebacker we're talking about um, in, in OTAs. But I think that's more of a bad sign for him than it is a good one because he, he does have versatility to play both spots. Like he did both of those things at Kansas. But I think it also shows that they think he's very clearly behind Patrick Johnson mm-hmm. uh, on the depth chart. So I think that's a bad sign for him. Um, but yeah, they, they, these are loaded. It's really the bottom line here, uh, on the edge with Reddick and BG and sweat and Nolan Smith. I mean, that is a ridiculous foursome of players. And, um, you know, there's, there's a reason that, that they had over 70 sacks in 2022. They're not going to do that again in 2023, but they're going to be a menace on the edges, uh, for the opponents they face this year. I think Nolan Smith has to be the favorite to get into a training camp fight, right? Has to be okay. What well, some see of that where the people just get annoyed yeah exactly. Not from a yeah. standpoint he's gonna like punch someone in the mouth and like he's a jerk, but <laughs> yeah. from a standpoint of I think it's gonna be like you know day seven of camp and he's still going all out like it's day one and some veteran is like what the <laughs> right. hell is like this like they chill out a little bit okay yeah. we get it and uh, you know some backup offensive lineman or whatever uh, or a tight end kind of just has enough and kind of gets a I like that call. I, I think you have to take that I think he, I think he could get on someone's nerves. And also, he's not—he's a talker too. So I don't think it's even in a in a way where uh, just the effort, but also like is going to get up in someone's face in a competitive way. Again, not a mean spirited kind of way, but just in like yep. overly competitive. And someone just has too much of that, <laughs> and they just and they get into it. So I think he's your leading candidate if you're going to place odds. Uh, if that was a real thing, Derek Barnett always a good candidate for that too. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's probably between them too. But I'm also hoping that Derek Burnett won't be here slash forgetting he's on the team constantly, even though we just talked about him defensive tackle. I think it's going to go heavy here. I mean, by the, by the end of last season, 
they were using a six-man rotation. In the Super Bowl, they were using a six-man yeah. rotation, and that was even when they had injuries. So that was what? That was Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, you had Milton Williams, you had Dominican Sue, you had Linval Joseph, and you had Jordan Davis. That's They were using six players. Yep. Like All of them were playing. Yeah. And I don't think that's just because um, like that was not a, a fluke. And one of them was a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, you wanted to have that guy in the game as much as possible. So I have the Eagles keeping and all these guys i think are gonna play to some extent have some kind of role fletcher cox jalen carter obviously jordan davis yep. milton williams yep. i have sure. our guy mojo moro jomo making the team yep. and i'm gonna have them keeping contavious street too so okay. I, that's six so i have the same i've i've five of the same guys i have uh tui marlon mm. tui below too because i think they just don't give up on guys <sighs> they pick and uh, I think he makes it over Street. Mm. Um, Street's an interesting player. Like he was, uh, was he a third round pick or a second round? He was pick? a third round pick. It was a day two pick, but he had uh, like a serious injury. So the 49ers picked him. He had a serious injury, so they knew he was going to redshirt. Yes. And they picked him anyway on day two. So this is a guy that would have been, pick. you know, would have gotten like four, fourth round. 128 pick? overall. So okay, so he would have gotten like round two type of consideration mm-hmm. if he hadn't gotten hurt. So it was, it was a good, he was a good prospect at one time. Um, but I think it's going to be Tui, Ojomo street. And then I think Noah Ellis is like, mm. uh, it's sort of a, a dark horse to make the team. He's 340 something pounds. So if he shows anything as a run stopper, they don't really have a backup. Like Jordan Davis is the nose mm-hmm. tackle, but they don't really have a, a quality backup nose tackle. Like in my scenario, I guess that would be two at below two. Yep. But if if Noah Ellis shows something, he could certainly make the team uh, over over two at below two or Contavious Street. It's because they don't have a backup nose tackle. So um, he's a guy to watch too. And he was a guy that like they brought in last mm-hmm. year as an undrafted rookie free agent, but he got hurt and then the season was kind of wrecked. And they brought him back, so they brought him back for a reason. Um, so I don't know. He's 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 a guy that you know maybe not on a lot of people's radar, but we'll see how he looks. They also didn't list him on their roster, which I thought was weird. You know, they in theory I guess he was on IR or whatever, but he like he was on their uh-huh. team control, but they didn't list him on their official page. I don't know if they have to do <laughs> okay. that or the machinations of that, or if that's an oversight, or if that's kind of like we kind of want him to be forgotten about. You know, oh that's uh, good point, so man. then the teams totally just have Patriots him, level stuff. Yeah, there. just have him <laughs> off their radar. Um, I think that kind of makes sense as a practice squad thing when you just kind of want a guy for his body type to keep around because in theory you want that mold for practice purposes. And in the case that mm-hmm. you might need to call someone up on short notice or whatever, you have that at least prototype of a player there. Um, but yeah, I have Street making it. I think he had a like underrated year last year in terms of we've talked about before where. I forget was sack total actually like three and a half, but Adam Schefter had said it was six or something. And it was, like, why is there a discrepancy? And it was actually because he had like a number of half sacks, which PFF, for example, counts as full sacks. Yeah. Which I think is an, right. you know, an interesting thought uh, to, to, to think of that. The point is he got to the quarter. The, the, the agent, the agent told Adam oh, Schefter course, he had six 100%. sacks. And Schefter just tweeted it. hundred <laughs> percent. But I think there is something to that. Like, um, you know, like, should you give more credit for a half of a sack? Oh, like Hassan Reddick would have had like would have had like twenty something sacks. Yeah. So um, you know, I think I think there's some juice there. 
And he played on some good defenses between the 49ers when he barely did play and the Saints, who also, you know, had a good defense. So he's played for some good defenses as well. Um, I have them keeping him. I have them going deep there, and all those guys are going to play. It'll be really interesting to see, I guess, like starting doesn't matter. I don't, it just does not matter who actually starts the game. Like, it's more about how the snap count gets divvied out. And I actually think that could change over mm-hmm. the course of the season, depending on like who's hot, who's not, how things are going. Um, like maybe won't Milton in theory, Milton Williams could start or at least like have a, a bigger role. Like I have him listed fourth here on the depth chart right now. But like, is there a scenario where he could like lead the team in defensive tackle snaps? I think so. I think that's possible. Sure. Um, it's not the most likely scenario, but I think that's in the cards. I think like almost any of those top four, Cox, Carter, Davis, Davis a little bit less so because I think the kind of player he is, you don't want to play him um, as your leading snap guy. But if he's just like a monster out there and he's super effective and wrecking the game, then he might. So I think they're going to go deep there. It's a really young group. Like Very young. Fletch, who is the vet, and then everyone else is, I think Street is 26, but then all the yeah. rest of them are like 24, 23, 22, you know, so all in that range. So, it, like, this is a very intriguing mm-hmm. group on the interior of the defensive line, but also not proven players for the most part. Another situation where I think it's a low floor. It could be, like, Cox is washed, doesn't sure. give you much. Carter is a rookie, and maybe there's the off-field concerns manifest in the on-field concerns. Davis is just kind of not super impressive and not giving you a ton of pass rush juice. Milton Williams is like a nice role player, but not much more than that. Ojomo is a seventh round pick for a reason. And then whoever else street or whatever is just a guy, just a jag, yeah. if you will. So that's another, also a high ceiling, high ceiling. There's high ceiling as well, that's where cool. Cox is gives you, I have a tough time believing in Cox, but he's fine. At least like he's, he's fine. Just, like he, he, you know, he, he has a season like he had last year where like, he's not yeah. great all the time but he somehow winds up a fine uh carter takes off is like a defensive rookie of the year at least in that kind of conversation that talent davis takes a big leap from year one to year two milton williams takes another leap um he i think he doubled his stack total from one year one to year two last year he had, he had a good number he had a good he had good production for the number of snaps he played last ojomo year. proves to be that steal that like pff and a lot of guys thought he was gonna be as a role player it gives mm-hmm. some you know some snaps both on the interior maybe also a defensive end in certain situations and then a guy like street is just like a really a nice signing um another one of these like howie roseman um not on the same level of patrick robinson but you know kind of coming out of nowhere just as like a really right. nice oh like this guy's gonna have a nice year and then get paid somewhere else next year um linebacker yep <sighs> i have the feels going light here because i'm like so i i, I, I have them going super because like who who should they keep like who do you even want them to keep you can't not gonna just keep guys to keep guys how many you got i have them keeping four I have keeping three. Wow. Yeah. I, and I didn't even feel great about four, but, and I, I thought about putting in like parentheses or brackets here, like player who isn't on the team, just saving a spot yeah. for someone who's not on the roster. That's another, I think it's an underrated thing here. Not only are the Eagles like not super talented here on the top end, like the, they just don't even have a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. they, like they don't even have a lot no. of bodies at this yeah. position. Like they're pretty light on credible like players who could even potentially make the team. I have them keeping Nicobe Dean. I have them keeping Nicholas Morrow. I have them keeping Christian Ellis. And then Sean Bradley, who, I, yeah, is not, I don't think, a lock by any means, but just because I feel like three is incredibly light, and they're probably going to keep at least four, if not 
um, players currently on the team than someone adding someone at some point. That's my four. Yeah, I have uh, the top three that you mentioned. I don't have uh, Sean Bradley on mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, Sean Bradley uh, did not play a single snap uh, in the regular defense last year. So that tells me mm-hmm. something. Um, and then as a special teamer, I think Christian Ellis showed more on special teams than Sean Bradley did I last year. I remember like this time last year, I thought like Sean Bradley was going to be the special teams captain, and then he wasn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's in the final year of his deal. I think that's a position where the top three guys can make it. And then you just have somebody on standby you know, on the practice squad that you can call mm. up if need be, because you're not going to need to play more than three of these guys on game day anyway. Um, of course, I very strongly think they're going to add a linebacker at some point. And I think you meant you and I mentioned this on, on a previous podcast. Like, I think they want to see what they have at linebacker first. Like if they get a week or two into training camp, and they feel really comfortable with Nicobe Dean as the top guy, and they feel at least moderately comfortable with Nicholas Morrow and or Christian Ellis, then they might just sign like a a depth guy. Uh, if they don't like what they see from the top guys, then they can make maybe a splashier type move, like a trade uh, for a linebacker uh, to be named later or whatever. But I think they want to see what they have before they sort of figure out what type of linebacker they want to add. And there's still some linebackers out there. We mentioned some of the names in the past, like Dion Jones, for example, is a guy who's out there. Um, if you look it up, some other guys who are like, you've heard of before, aren't out, they're obviously yeah. out there for a Miles reason. Jack. Sure. Miles like Jack. Yeah, yeah. They're not, you know, anyone to be thrilled about, but they are somewhat credible. NFL players might just be just a guy, but that might be fine just to add that at some point. So yeah, I have them keeping four. Uh, I feel good about the top three. Morrow, I would not feel good about traditionally if the Eagles had any kind of semblance of depth, like just because they only gave him a low guarantee, but just because there's mm-hmm. no competition for him, basically. I think he makes it even if he doesn't like play great, basically. Um, you know, guys to watch. It did lead the Bears. In t- I mean, the Bears are a bad mm-hmm. team, but he did lead them in tackles last year. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he had a, he's had sort of a breakout season in 2020 with the Raiders. His number is so bad. Got hurt. Got hurt, didn't play in 2021, and then he came back. So maybe there's there's something to the idea, like he's now a year removed from his injury in 2021, and he gets his game back to where it was in 2020. I don't know. We'll see. But he's a guy that like he's wearing um, number 41. A lot of people. That's a terrible number, Jimmy. You can't make the <laughs> roster wearing 41. <laughs> well, he will, but you can't make a you, you can't really be a a, a really good right. player wearing 41. Like by contrast, player. Christian Ellis is what 53. Like that's amazing. Like Christian Ellis good, easily yeah, is the number. edge on him. All right. <laughs> yeah. That moves us to cornerback, which I think is a position, mm-hmm. another position where the Eagles are going to go heavier here. I mean, it's like, yeah, they're deep. I, I almost think like all these guys are locks. I almost think like, because I think, well, five of them are, in my opinion James Badbury, Darius Slay, Avante yep. Maddox, mm-hmm. Zach McPherson, yep. and Keely Ringo are all making mm-hmm. this team. They just are. Like, yeah. they're, and you're not like trading one. I mean, I don't think you're trading anyone from that group either. Obviously, not Badbury or Slay. And Maddox, no. McPherson, no. Ringo, you just is a rookie. Who, by the way, should note quickly that Keely Ringo signed his rookie contract. I love like when there's like consternation or like a little bit of worry, not like mass worry anywhere. But I, I saw like a, a thread on our Eagles Reddit, the Eagles subreddit at one point. Like, oh, Keely Ringo hasn't signed his contract. It's like it's there's so much time. There's so much that was like in like late June, early July. Yeah. It's like just relax. There's so much time for him to sign it, and it's like 
I think never an I think, issue. So one thing on that, just just to dive a little deeper on that, the thinking was, uh, I guess somebody got who got drafted either first or second overall in the fourth mm-hmm. round got paid a little over slot, mm-hmm. and that kind of messed up whatever sure. happened there after in the fourth round. So I think that was sort of the reasoning why right. people thought that he hadn't been signed yet. But I think it's a little more simple than that. How he was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> He just got back. So I think when he got back, it just got done. Yeah, they're not like at the negotiating table every day talking over figures. (laughs) So anyway, but it's important to know, or not important, but it's worthwhile to note that uh, all the Eagles rookies are signed. So there will be no holdouts as there typically aren't. They're all ready to go for training camp. It's good news. And then Josh Job. Like I, I think all those guys are definitely making this roster. Unless this Job comes out and like stinks up the joint and has like a Davion Taylor, Mm -hmm. like disastrous preseason slash camp. Um, this year, as long as he's kind of like gives you what you expect out of him, I think he's making the team. We've talked about him showing some potential on defense and uh, on special teams as well. So I think those are your six. Yeah, and I think there's actually a, a an outside possibility that they keep more. Wow. Like if 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 it's just if your best, like if your seventh cornerback is let's say you're ranking players from Mm -hmm. one to 53 on your roster. If your seventh corner is like the 45th best player on the team, keep them. Like there's no reason to cut that guy. So, you know, the the other candidates to maybe make the team would be greedy Williams. I'm not high on him. Uh, Josiah Scott, certainly not high on him with the season that he had last year. Uh, Eli Ricks, Makai Gardner, Mm -hmm. I think are legit undrafted free agent rookie corners that could maybe make noise and train. You never know. Like one of those guys could stand out. And then Mario Goodrich, who um, smaller guy was an undrafted rookie free agent last year, managed to stay on the roster the, or the practice squad the entirety of the season. So maybe that means something, mm-hmm. but uh, the two guys that I think have the best chance of cracking the roster, just that they really show something you don't want to lose them would be Ricks and Garner. I think it's possible they could keep like seven here if it's Scott and the the idea that he's more depth at safety. Because they did try okay. him out. They were using him at safety a bit in training camp last year. I would think that's his best Joe chance to make the team. could maybe do that too. It's, I mean, early in for theory. Him, early to put a lot on his plate that way, like as a young player. But he does have traits that do translate to the safety position. You would think they like want to with some of these guys. Especially with someone like Garner, too, who's listed as like a hybrid also, guy. Yep, good point there. In too. college, but at least in OTAs, and now the Eagles have him listed only at corner. It feels mm-hmm. like the Eagles are like, they're going to have to put some of these corners at safety because they have like so many corners and they don't even yeah. have that many safeties. So it feels like they're going to have to experiment with that a little bit. And that's part of what training camp is for to kind of mess around with some of those things, especially with more so with the, uh, you know, bubble guys and back of the roster guys. Like they did with Josiah Scott last year. Mm-hmm. So I think. Do you you have that same six? I have the same six as you. Yes. I, I, this thing is locked in. Like I don't even think it's a battle. I don't think like the only path to greedy Williams making the team is like if there are injuries, maybe or an injury. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see it. Um, even if he plays well, if he plays well I, in some world, I think you're trading him again at some point. Like again, not for much, but like you can take greedy Williams and we'll take I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, there's some backup linebacker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and that brings us to the final position in terms of not specialist, which we'll get to. Uh, safety. This one's tough. I think this is maybe the toughest one to figure out on the team. Um, I mean, three of these guys, I think, are going to make the team. Sure, of course. Yeah. They're but like the fourth. Beyond that, if there is even a fourth one they keep, I think that's a little tough to figure out. So 
Reed Blinkenship. I think he starts. Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown. Those three are making the team, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And all playing, as we've talked about. I think all three of them are going to play in some capacity. I don't think there's a scenario where it's like two guys and that's it. Beyond that three, I don't fully know what to make. I have Justin Evans here right now because, as we've talked about before, I think the Eagles like Justin Evans a little bit more than some people realize. Not enough to say he's going to be starting, but enough to kind of like keep him around. Um, but you could put like Kayvon Wallace here. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep Evans here for now. And that gives me four and I have the roster at 50 players. So I went light at linebacker. Of course I had three, you had four. I have five safeties. Wow. So I have the three. They have five worth keeping. And then I have Justin Evans and I have Kayvon Wallace. Mm. Like Kayvon Wallace wasn't, wasn't great last year, but he was, it was the best year that he's had Mm. in the NFL. He can tackle. He's just not always in the right position to, you know, he's not always where he's supposed to be. He looked slow at to times too. Tackle. And he's yeah, and he's a liability in coverage. So I wonder if either Kayvon or Terrell Edmonds mm. could maybe get used in sort of a safety slash linebacker, linebacker. hybrid yeah. role, maybe. Um so that's why I went a little heavier at safety. Okay. I don't foresee that happening, but Edmonds in, in particular, he's a big guy. Like he's two seventeen. He's six. I think he's what six one two seventeen. Mm-hmm. So that you know could qualify him as a you know an undersized linebacker. But you could use him, and he's a, and he's good in the box. So you could use him in some sub packages as like a dime linebacker or something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he he maybe has some versatility. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they if they do anything creative like like with him uh, in training. Sean Desai you know uses him in, in some creative way in training camp and in the regular season. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I'd, I think there are better, I think they have better backups at, at safety than they do at linebacker, mm. for example. So I went a little heavier at safety than linebacker. I think that's fair. I think this is a position where it's not just the, uh, battle at the top in terms of the starters, but also the depth. I think this is, there's much to be decided and I think played out in both the training camp practices and the preseason games when it comes to safety and who's, I think it's kind of more open there than it is at other spots in in terms of deciding uh, who will be on the team or not. All right, let's take another break, Jimmy, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, who also came with us to wrong crowd on Wednesday. It seemed like she had a great time. She was having fun. Uh, Why don't you tell us more? She didn't have to drive. So she was uh, putting back a little more. She, her favorite beer oddly was, and I actually thought it was good too. <laughs> that no, was good too. But like, I mean, so it was just an odd flavor for a beer. Surprisingly, but it was good. Like, it tasted good. It was carrot cake, something mm. or other beer. I don't remember what, what, what the brand name of that beer was, but it was like carrot cake. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, voted on my God mm. as the best realtor in the history of the universe. Call her at eight five six nine zero six. Call or text her rather eight five six nine zero six. 9295 again 856-906-9295 if you are looking to buy or sell your home brandon Kristen roach of roach realtors also commented on how she really liked westchester she's like oh this is cute oh, yeah. town uh-huh. so yeah you know again give it a visit you're there got a wrong crowd and she knows right. her towns too being in so many and selling that's houses right and exactly yeah she's a she's a town slash home expert she's looking at all these houses she's like this is a good place yeah okay so it's not just like, you know, anyone saying that. It's an actual credible expert in the field. That's right. Back You'll after be this. back after <laughs> this. 
Back here on BGN Radio, we're going to go over the special teams thrilling and a little bit of the practice squad, which is kind of a way to talk about the bubble guys who did not make the team, who mm-hmm. we did not include, and but could potentially stay around. I always like to point out that there's a lot of talk, I think maybe less so in recent years, about how like, oh, this guy's never going to make it to the practice squad, and pretty much like 99% <laughs> yes. of them do. There's going to be yeah. the exception that doesn't, for sure. Brett Toth in the past. Um Danny, Danny Amendola way in the past. Mm-hmm. Or, no, I think he was around for a little bit. In any case, you get the point. Uh, let's go to special teams, which I think is it's Jake Elliott is your kicker, obviously. Rick Lovato is going to be your long snapper again. And <clears throat> Karen Tabas is going to be this team's punter, at least in terms of coming out of camp. In the current of out of Ty Zentner and Aaron Tabas, Tabas is going to win that battle. Um, I think it's not even close. Unfortunately, because I don't think Sipa should be the punter, he should be also, the Eagles should be watching other teams very closely when it comes to their punting situations, and they should be looking to upgrade on him when, if slash when that becomes an option. But for now, I think he is the best punter on the current roster. He smoked Sentner in OTAs in, in the two. Well, actually, there was really only one uh, media attended practice where they were punting, but uh, in that one practice, he was very, very clearly better than Ty Zentner. And that doesn't mean things can't change. Like maybe Zentner just didn't have a good day. It was his first day punting with the Eagles and he just, you know, wasn't, I don't know, whatever. I don't I don't want to get into the mind of the punter, <laughs> but uh, we'll see if like that can change during training camp. But just in that first initial sort of mano mano battle, it was decidedly won by Sipos. They can't go into the season with him, though, can they? Like, you got to find somebody that's cut from another team. You can't trust that he's going to, you know, like that he's not going to come up small again in big moments in the playoffs or what situation where he can wreck your season like he has, like he did in the Super Bowl last year and where he was just terrible in the playoffs in 2021. But, yeah, I have him on there. (laughs) Like, begrudgingly, I have him on there. And, by the way, we should probably start talking about Jake Elliott as mm. a star player, like that guy's awesome. Just a great player. Would you call I mean, he's him a, team a star captain. player or, or what? He's a team captain. He's like, he's going down. I would say like the David acres kind of path. Mm-hmm. And just a likable guy too. So that always helps as a kicker, I guess. And uh, clutch has come up in really big moments. Of course. Uh, it's not, has knock on wood here. I feel like jinxing him, but has never not come up big in a really big spot, right? Like there's never been like, oh wow, remember that one time he missed? Like, they could have won the game, but he missed that kick. No, yep. that's never like been an issue. Super Bowl kick was huge. Um, you know when they're up five, <laughs> like if he doesn't make that kick, they probably lose yep. that game. And that was a that was like a like a four, was it forty eight something like that? It was a like a not a cheap. It was not a gimme. Yeah. And then the Giants kick, obviously, which was legendary, uh, week three that year. Um, he had a big kick against, well, last year in the Giants game that they had to win, or, or, like at the end of the year that the only, like they blew the Giants out twice, but there was a close one. Mm-hmm. He made three kicks in that game. And I want to say at least one of them was over 50, but they needed him to make all, all of his kicks in that game. And he did, um, he had the kick against the Raiders in the extreme cold at the end yep. of the 2017 season. He's just been a beast. For this team. So I don't think he gets enough recognition um, for the player that he is. We The kickers that are awesome just kind of get taken for granted every you know, some, sometimes, but he's a great mm-hmm. player. 
I thought he also had a big one against, like, I was thinking about the Texans in uh, 2018. That was a really good game when Foles started. Oh, yeah, right. Uh huh. It wasn't long, though. I'm looking at it now, the game long. It was a 35-yarder, but it was a game winner. And it was like, you know, again, crunch situation. Yeah. Uh, or crunch time situation, clutch kick. I mean, 35-yarder, but still, like, you, you just trust him in those scenarios, too. You're like, oh, he's going to make that. He's not going to blow this, obviously, um, you know, kick that we need. Anyway, uh, Jake Elliott is great. Aaron Tsipas is not great. Jimmy, can you name the amount of players on the Eagles roster currently? They're 90-man roster, and they're at a full 90 after signing Dennis Kelly, who are older than Aaron Sipas in terms of like I'm not going by like the day here I'm talking about like the number <laughs> yeah. like their, their the number of their how old they are in terms of like I'm 31 whatever yeah that's older than what Aaron Sipas is I'm gonna say it's ba- the answer is basically how many 30 year olds do they have on the team I'm gonna say 11 six there's six oh, players six. that's it <laughs> who Aaron Sipas turns 31 this year by the way in November so like I don't think this matters as much six, you know huh? <laughs> yeah, it can you name them? Yeah, well it's BG. Yep. Lane, Kelsey. Yep. yep. Fletch. Yep. Slay. Yep. Not Rick Lovato. This is a tough one. I mean, you're not going to get this. Guy he's been on the practice. He's not even actually hasn't officially even been on the team in terms of Matt Leo. His, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an old okay. old dude. But anyway, um so like I don't think this matters as much with specialists, you know, relative to other positions, like, you know, a wide receiver or whatever. But, like, this idea that he's going to improve, he's 31. He's turning yeah. 31 this year. Like, how much better <laughs> right. is he really going like, to right. – I think he's. I think he is who he is at this point, very much so, especially because he's older as opposed to, you know, you know, like – I don't know how much punters are going to get better with age and everything. I think it's, again, a different oh, I thing. Think they do. I, I think they do. I think they can, yeah. But I'm saying this is another factor working against him. This is like everything is working against him. If you look like Ty Zentner, for example, I think he could get better in like year two or three. I agree. Now you you don't keep him. I think for that reason solely, if Sipas is, you know, clearly better, then you have to keep Mm Sipas from the two. But I don't know. There has to be someone out there who's at least like on the level of Sipas, maybe, but younger and maybe could get better in theory. I think you have to get like at this point in time. I don't think you need to settle for the security quote-unquote, that Sabas gives you, because I don't even think he gives you that. And I think you should shoot for more upside at that spot. Again, we've talked about how it's kind of frustrating that they don't seem to view punter the way we do in terms of who cares about freaking pinning them deep. Normally, I would care about that. But, like, the thinking here is it shouldn't you shouldn't be punting in a spot where yeah, hitting them deep it. really <laughs> – Yeah, just go for it. The only thing you should care about is blasting it down the field when you're, like, backed up against yes. your own territory. And you're just <laughs> basically trying to, like, flip the field as much as you can at that point. Like, if you're in your own 20 or whatever, that should be the theory. I'm so I, – I, I don't – that's crazy to me that analytics haven't, like, come up or caught on to that. Or at least the Eagles analytics, I don't know. In any case, we spent way too much time talking about specialists. Let's get into the practice squad here. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off my 16 names. It's 16, right? I think it is. It sounds right. I'm not sure, but that sounds about right. Um, and again, this is just a way, like, you know, this is going to change, whatever. It's just, uh, these are like basically some of my bubble players slash developmental players. So I think the Eagles could keep, I'm going to have them keeping Ian Book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Trey Sermon. Okay. We mentioned earlier. I have Joseph Ingata, Devin Allen, and Tyree Cleveland. Uh, okay. I think they did go heavy on wide receiver last year and in the past they like to. I only had the like, keeping five on the roster. Um, I'm keeping Calcaterra, Trevor Reed. He's a wild card. Julian Good-Jones, guard slash center, gives them more depth on the, okay. uh, at center. Teron Jackson, Noah Ellis, who you talked about. Ben Van Sumeren, who 
really athletic, but I just don't think like by all indications is like ready to play on defense at the all. The book on him is more of a, an athlete than a football player. Yes. So that sounds like perfect practice squad guy yes. to have around and develop. Then I have them keeping Eli Ricks, Mackay Gardner, Josiah Scott, given his versatility to play both corner, uh, uh, nickel corner and safety, Kayvon Wallace. And then I have them keeping Ty Zetner in this scenario. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Who do you got? Do you have one? Yeah. So I don't have Buck uh, on. I think they just keep the three uh, okay. quarterbacks and they roll with those. I have Sermon, uh, Devin Allen, Ngata. I have Jadon Hazelwood. Okay. Uh, instead of Tyreek Cleveland. I have Greg Ward staying on too because <laughs> <laughs> he's just never going to go away. Not, have, uh, not, not feasible. I have Dan Arnold, of course, because I have Calcaterra making the team. Uh, you have mm-hmm. Arnold making the team. Uh, Reed, uh, Trevor mm-hmm. Reed, is very clear practice squad material. I have Cameron Tom on there. Uh, Cam instead, Tom. Instead of uh, Julian Goodjones. Uh, Chiron Johnson, I have Matt Leo. Uh, okay. I have Matt Leo back on because the, why, why would be why would he be on the roster now if they didn't plan he, on keeping him? Yeah, he, during... he doesn't. He no longer has his exempt status, by the way. Yeah. He didn't know that. He, so, yeah, he they counts would have toward to the burn. 90 now. Yes, or the like, or the I, the sixteen for the practice squad. I feel like if you had no intention of keeping on on the practice squad, he just wouldn't be on the team right now. That's so crazy, though. Like, he's, <laughs> he's thirty or thirty. He's thirty one. <laughs> I mean, I guess they just like what he gives them in practice, and you know what? Like that might seem dumb to some people, but they have sixteen practice squad spots. So who cares? Yeah. Like if you like, what I he mean, doesn't practice, then fine. They, they liked what Stephen Means gave them at, the, sure. uh, at, at once, and the offensive linemen said that that the, especially leading up to the Super Bowl, they felt like that made them better. Like having right. a guy who went super hard against them in practice and gave it his all. So yeah, there could be something to that, but whatever. It's not the right. smartest use of resources, I would say, but it's fine. I have Noah Ellis. I have Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor, Josiah Scott. I have mm. uh, Van Sumeren, and then mm-hmm. uh, Rex and Gardner. Okay. Yeah, I mean those guys are like you know upside bubble players. I think that's pretty. I don't think there's anything like highly controversial about this 53 man roster relative to other years. I think it's pretty. Yeah, very straightforward. I mean, there's some wiggle room for disagreement. Like we we I, we actually had more people that we disagreed on than I thought we were going to. What did we disagree on? Like four players, something like that. Um, we disagreed on tight end. We disagreed at um, defensive end. So right. I had. Yeah, you. I had you Arnold. Had you had Capitera. Yeah. yeah, I had Janarius. You had Barnett. Uh, and then we just had, had different numbers at, at linebacker and cor- and uh, safety. Well, you had Tui Pelotu, I have Street. Oh, right. And okay. then you have the Eagles cutting Sean Bradley, you have them keeping him, and then you have the Eagles keeping... Uh, yeah, basically so I had uh, the, the safety, um, Evans, instead of Bradley. It's all very, like, bubble stuff. There's no, like, fundamental difference. <laughs> right. It's all very, like, you know, tinkering around the margins and whatnot, and mostly with players who ideally will not even be playing at all or other than special teams at most. So I think that's kind of how it's going to shake out. Now, obviously camp will change things. We'll see how these guys, their injuries will at some point come into play. We'll see how guys look in practice. And sometimes I think you can have guys who look really good in practice and then stink in the preseason games. I'm looking at Davion Taylor mm-hmm. there. Uh, they're big, big developments. Um, so we'll see. I really, I, I mentioned this before. I think one of the biggest things I want to see in training camp, not necessarily the most important, because I think the most important thing is avoiding injury. Obviously, kind of can't not much to say onto that. Uh, and obviously, how Hertz looks, assuming he avoids any kind of disastrous camp. I'm, I don't really care what he does um, as long as he stays the course. 
is I need Kobe Dean to make some plays. I really do. I really need. I just can't be like it was last year, where mm-hmm. it was just like, well, another day where Kobe Dean, like I couldn't even notice he was out there. If he's going to make this big leap, I, I, he, he got to give me something to work with. Got to have some big splash plays in practices. I feel like that. I feel like it's a requirement. I agree. Maybe it's not. Maybe he'll look good in the games required in the practice. But I, I it's just. There's been it so would be concerning hype. if that doesn't happen. I'm with you there. Agree. For sure. Yes, I don't want to hear the. I don't want to like hear the hype continue or like you know a coordinator's talking about him and the Kobe Dean has looked great and, and people are glomming onto that when like in the reality he hasn't done anything. <laughs> like I, let's see it. Let's and I'm excited to see it. And I hope he does show it. But like I want to see it. Just let's see it. Yeah, and he looked good in the one game that he got to play in against Tennessee. Kaiser White and. um TJ Edwards stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, he stayed healthy. Like if either of those guys got hurt, Nicobe Dean would have been in the starting lineup. Um, but they just didn't get hurt. Kaiser White got hurt in a game, uh, was ready the next week. But in that game against Tennessee, Dean got to play, look good. Um, so I don't know. We'll see if he can. If I mean, maybe he is more of a gamer than he is a practice guy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I, I want to see some production. I want to. I want to see him not be the the only linebacker yeah. like you know not making plays like he was during training Agree. last year. Agree. All right, any final thoughts James? Uh yeah, I mean I really just am uh excited for our new sponsor and I am uh looking to do a couple more bike rides uh nice. to Jersey Shore towns uh, before camp begins. Probably going to do maybe a little uh, Avalon coming up, mm-hmm. a little seaside coming up. Uh, also going to probably hit Cape May, Island Beach State Park, and then that might be it. Um, so that might drag into camp a little bit, but camp's not far. Camp begins nope. what? We didn't we didn't talk about when it's. Uh, what? I did. I said did. Okay. Uh, players report the 25th, and then the first practice should be the 26th. So we only. I mean, so what's today? Friday, Thursday. It's less than a week. It's the 20th One, two, today. Three, four, five, or six six days away. Down. Six days away from training camp. Uh, at which point mm-hmm. nobody cares about us, but our lives are over <laughs> at that point. Our, uh, you know, if we want to do something fun, a little harder to carve out time to to go do that thing. So I'm uh, going to try to enjoy my next six days yep. uh, before camp begins. And then it's go time. Like I'll be all, I'll be all sure. in on camp. Like once, once it begins. Oh, uh, we got daily pods, baby. That's right. And we'll have the daily pods and they're always fun. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward. Are to... Are you bringing your interview series back? I think I texted you, but I'm not sure. Oh, if you that's said right. That. I never answered that. Probably not. Um, oh wow. Maybe maybe every now and then. Boo! <laughs> Everyone boo Jimmy or make him uh, interview people or pressure I guess him I if could, you want to hear yeah, it. I guess I could do just. I don't want to interview the same people again, but I could maybe do like a continuation of that. I don't think you got to everyone. There's I didn't a lot get of people. No, no. There's, camp. there's still yeah. plenty of people like that that yeah. I would love to to like. Yeah. I didn't get to EJ. Or Josh Fontino, sure. exactly guys like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I there's some could... new reporters on the beat as well, and obviously yeah. sometimes you get some national people. Yeah, I think you should. Uh... I could do it, maybe. Yeah, and if you want to hear it at you know Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram, and at Brandon Gowton. How do they do? Do they, they do okay? And threads. Uh, what? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think people love those. Okay, and I think it's it was especially great to me. Because, you know, it's something to listen to by the time – because practice ends and we have to mm-hmm. do our notes and everything. This kind of holds you over. It's a little taste of uh, the action, a little uh, t- oh, checking right, in the uh, – During practice, yeah. Checking in the temperature, getting different perspectives that you don't always get to hear. I think there's there's some value. And it's okay. not a big lift in terms of it's only, what, 15 minutes or so. So it's not like a, a huge – 
ask for any person. So yeah, I think we should if you can, if you want to make it happen. Right, I'm sold. People enjoyed those. Um, again, and if you really want those and you want to make sure Jimmy does them, uh, tweet <laughs> at him and everything and us and at BGN underscore radio on Twitter. I want to say that my final thought is that this was a different off season for me, Jimmy, in that I really, so typically I have so much, um, anxiety that, okay. uh, not anxiety. I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I feel like I need to, you know, produce, 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 even in the dead zone. This year, I've taken a different approach. I've laid back a little bit. I feel like I needed to. The Super Bowl was tough. <laughs> like, it really kind of just, like, creatively. And and also, this being the 10 years, I needed to take a little bit of a – I feel like I needed to enter. Recharge. Yeah, I, I need more than – especially because it goes long. It was a long season. The Because usually, you know, a little peek behind the curtain, the time when a season typically ends, average-ish, you know, early, like, January or whatever yeah. – um, that's a little bit of a dead zone there, sort of, not entirely, but a little bit, where you get a little bit of a break, a little bit of a recharge before the combine starts and everything starts. This year, no break. No one needs to feel bad for me, to be clear. But I'm saying, like, creatively, mentally, I just felt, I think, more burned out maybe than ever because, you know, they lose the Super Bowl like that. It was like, what's this all for? And so I think tonight I'm actually going to try to do what I said I was going to do a while ago in a WIP um I'm not going to say they stole my idea, but they executed my <laughs> idea before I did, which I, but I was on the record. I was going to do this. I was going to like exercise the demons of the Super Bowl and rewatch oh, it back okay. and do a post on it where I kind of like give some final closing thoughts just so I can get it all out. I do remember out. you mentioned that on the podcast. So that is yes. legit. Brandon did Thank come you. up with that idea. I appreciate He's not that. stealing it from WIP if his company I don't want to say, theirs. Yeah. I'm not trying to accuse them of anything. Yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. want anyone to be like, you stole this. Right, no, right, that's not right, the case. Right. Uh, uh, and credit to them for beating me to the sure. punch. I don't, that's all fair. It's not like I invented the concept, but uh, again, yeah, I just don't want to be accused of anything. So covering my bases and whatnot. So yeah, I feel like I needed a step away and I feel like I might not be alone in that. I feel like definitely some Eagles fans may have been in that same kind of boat where you kind of just more than any other off season or whatever, you just kind of needed to get away a little bit um, to be ready to be recharged for this season. And I'm feeling I'm getting ready as camp is it's here i think camp is like the best time of the year it's a lot of fun to go every day and, and kind of learn about the upcoming roster and, and as as all that goes well the joint training camp practices later on a lot of daily pods a lot of fun but yeah so basically uh if you've noticed you know and there and there was less bgn radio than there typically is we didn't do every single week but i think that's you know i just needed that reset i'm still in the process of resetting you know fully before camp begins so i appreciate everyone's patience uh i will be i, I needed it i just i think more than ever i needed it this off season so i appreciate your patience we're not going anywhere going to have a lot of great content for you here on bgn radio and bleedingyournation.com and obviously jimmy phillyvoice.com so we appreciate you sticking around through this little bit of a lull and things are firing up again daily pods very very exciting so we'll be having that coming your way next week and it all begins again kick off to the eagles 2023 season a it's a revenge tour whatever you want to call it redemption tour get back to the super bowl become a team that tries to climb a very high mountain a very tall task uh like it's very hard to get back that year after yeah and then not only to get there but also win it that time and potentially it could be against the same team right. you might have to do it against the same team that beat you because they're still really freaking all their favorites good. yeah no doubt yeah like it's doable it's possible 
we'll see if it can happen. It's a long road to get to that point. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. All right. I guess it's uh, right back to you to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I gave all the social plugs. They're also in the description here. Um, you know, Breakfast Fell and Craft Jerky, Wrong Crowd Beer, um, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. Check out all of our beloved sponsors. And we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. PGN.